the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bruce Hooley Show podcast is brought to you by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Creating jobs and restoring dignity one cup at a time. Good coffee doing good. Learn more at HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. You're listening to The Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to be on in Dayton, Ohio. 94.5 FM, The Answer. You can email me, Bruce at SalemMedia.com, Bruce at SalemMedia.com. Of course, we uh, also are on our headquarters station, Columbus, Ohio, 98.9 The Answer. My audience in the capital city will know our next guest. Proud to introduce him to our audience in western Ohio. He is Rob Walgate of the American Policy Roundtable, a nonpartisan group that traffics in politics and political issues, and we're happy to have Rob with us. You can... Check out his work at aproundtable.org. We want to get your analysis of the primary race. And I guess if we start with the governor, Rob, I'm a little surprised that DeWine ran as strongly as he did in Ohio's rural areas. Does that surprise you, too? It does, but I think when you look at the overall picture, for me it was the question, would Mike DeWine get over 50% of the vote? Would he be able to beat the combination of votes between Jim Renacy and Joe Blystone? Because whoever voted for Jim Renacy, that was a vote against Mike DeWine. Whoever voted against for Joe Blystone, that was a vote against Mike DeWine. And um, they split that vote and had one of them gotten out of the race, and I know a lot of people encourage Joe Blystone to get out of the race and let Jim Renacy go 1v1 against Mike DeWine, um, <laughs> I think that would have been a very entertaining race because the votes for Renacy and Blystone were definitely anti-DeWine votes that go against the policies that he's put in place over the last 26 months. Yeah, it's probably too simple to say that if uh... – you know, one of them was out and the other one got all their votes, they would have won, but the numbers say they would have. Uh, it would have been well, close. I don't know anyone that voted for either Blystone or Renacy who said my second choice was Mike DeWine. <laughs> Good point there. Good point there. All right, so let's go to the Senate race. And it's interesting, you know, if you think back to Trump in the primary season in 2016, he was in there with like 18, 19 other candidates, and they were all splitting about 80% of the vote, and he was getting 20 and his 20 started to seem more significant as those other people dropped out of the race. And it's kind of that way in the GOP Senate primary with J.D. Vance. He started with a very small percentage, and the biggest percentage were undecideds. And when Trump endorsed, Vance got the biggest percentage of undecideds, took a huge leap, and ends up winning it. He did, and I think the the key there is to think that 68% of the Republicans that participated in yesterday's primary did not vote for J.D. Vance. So the question becomes... Can the party bring those folks along? Can they encourage them to vote for J.D. Vance in the fall instead of Tim Ryan? We know this is going to be made a national election. I'm sure Tim Ryan's going to try and bring Donald Trump in as a punching bag as much as he can during the campaign. And, of course, with the leak we had this week regarding mm-hmm. the Supreme Court, I think that's going to be at the top of everyone's mind as well. And by the time we actually vote in November, I mean, obviously – 
the opinion will have been months old as the court will release the opinion in the next few weeks. Rob Allgate is our guest, aproundtable.org, aproundtable.org. Great podcast, great insight into political issues on both sides of the aisle, aproundtable.org. And I know the primary is over, but when you look forward to the general election, folks, make sure you bookmark the site ivoters.com, ivoters.com, because they give you access to all the candidates, their platforms, their websites, their social media. It's a great place to go. It's where my daughter went, 18-year-old Rob, an 18-year-old, and I took her to iVoters, and she researched the candidates on her own. That's what that site is there for. Yeah, no commercials, no ads. As we get closer to November, we are going to have a number of more primary states coming up. Pennsylvania's uh, primaries coming up in two weeks. Those candidates are on there now. But we will also provide endorsements, not our own endorsements, but we'll provide endorsements from the left and the right. Because sometimes when you can't get a read on someone or you can't get them to answer the question, you take a look at the endorsement page and you're like, oh, so-and-so endorsed this person Mm -hmm. or so-and-so endorsed their opponent. So that will give you an idea as well for those folks who maybe want to dodge answering the tough questions heading into November. All right. So speaking of endorsements, Jane Timken had Rob Portman's endorsement. All these guys and Jane Timken were running for Rob Portman, the right to run for Rob Portman's seat in the fall. What do you make of what kind of senator Ohio wants to succeed Rob Portman from the fact that Rob Portman endorsed Jane Timken, who among the five most likely candidates finished a distant fifth? I think Rob Portman is one who campaigned a certain way before he got to be United States Senator and then governed a different way. And I think people took notice of that and they didn't want to replace him with someone they were afraid would do the same, with someone of the party mold. I mean, we're talking about the former state party chairman. And for her, I think back when all of this started, when Rob Portman announced he would not be seeking reelection and Jane Timken got in the race. Someone would have said to you, Bruce, the over and under on Jane Timken votes percentage-wise is 7%. Mm. I mean, you would have loaded up on the over. I would have, would put, my ho- I would have put my house on the over. Yes, I would have. And, and I think everyone would have. To think that Jane Timken only got 6% of the vote raises a ton of questions. And when you study this race and look at it, you can look months and months ago. Everyone said it was Josh Mandel's to lose. Well, then Mike Gibbons made a run. And then you had that little squirmish altercation where Josh stood up and challenged Mike. And the rest of people sat there and watched. And while that was the distraction, I think that's the lane that J.D. Vance needed to be created, that he could slide in, and then the Donald Trump endorsement as well. Um, But again, in that Senate race, the folks I've talked to all around the state, most said if their choice number one was Josh Mandel, two was Gibbons. And if Gibbons was their first, uh, uh, Mandel was their second. I think a lot of people switched from Gibbons to Mandel late because they didn't want to split that vote. And in essence, they still did because those two, um, their votes combined, while they had that squirmish, they had those differences, I think on policy positions, they may have been the two most alike candidates in the field. Yeah, no doubt about that. As you look at the breakdown county-wise, and again, our guest is Rob Walgate, American Policy Roundtable, talking about the Senate primary and the gubernatorial primary in the state of Ohio yesterday. Vance won the bulk of the counties in Ohio. Mandel ran strongest in west-central Ohio. Dolan won 
Franklin County and one Cuyahoga County, as you would expect him to win his home county of Cuyahoga. But Vance has a lot of support throughout the state of Ohio, and so I think he'll be a strong candidate in the fall because I think he has a story that's identifiable. You mentioned earlier Tim Ryan, the Democrat, term limited, can't run for Congress anymore, 10 terms already. He's running for Senate. And you said he'll make an issue of Trump. He'll try to bring Trump into this race. But Donald Trump was 22-0 and 0 yesterday, Rob, in, 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 in endorsed yeah. candidates. But, but the one is Vance. I mean, he, we but, know yeah. he made the difference with Vance getting elected. So well, my point well, is, how productive is it to denigrate Trump if you're Tim Ryan when Trump's endorsement won the Senate primary for J.D. Vance? Well, I think uh, a couple thoughts. One is I think we have to look at it. It is the primary season. And Trump didn't really walk out on any limbs except for with the J.D. Vance endorsement. That was the one that maybe was risky in that 22. But listen, that's the regular season. The playoffs start now. It's not important what you do in the regular season. How many of those 22 win in the fall will be the question. I mean, Donald Trump didn't take any chance. If he wanted to take a chance, he would have he would have saddled up next to Jim Renacci and tried to rally the troops to get rid of Mike DeWine. Which, which he, he should have done. Which he should have done. He owed Renacci that. I mean, and, and and after what Jim Renacci did for him in yep. 2018. So, yes, Donald Trump um, did that. But we also know Donald Trump showed up in Ohio late in the game. He showed up 10 days. We're already 10 days into early voting. And the question becomes, what will happen as we move towards the fall? And if, and if Donald Trump continues to endorse candidates around the country like a J.D. Vance or like a Dr. Oz, will you have conservatives – that maybe stood with Josh Mandel, maybe stood with Mike Gibbons, will they show up in the fall to support those candidates? Because I'll tell you what, there's a lot of conservatives around the state that I talk to, Bruce, are not excited at all about the top of the ticket with Mike DeWine and J.D. Vance leading the charge. Okay, so i got 30 seconds left as we've got a hard break. Uh, is Nan Whaley, is she a viable threat to Mike DeWine as governor? Um, if, if conservatives stay home, possibly. Um, and they will. The left will most likely endorse and embrace the abortion issue. We know that. Yeah, we know that. I don't think that's a winning issue in Ohio, but that's a conversation for another Correct. day. As always, great to have you on aproundtable.org. Catch the uh, podcast on uh, Ohio Policy Roundtable as well. Tell them where they can find the podcast. Uh, thepublicsquare.com. And remember, Bruce, by the time this is decided in November, the Buckeyes will have played nine football games. That's how much time we have left to go. Wow. Well, it always goes fast. That's for sure. As <laughs> always, great to have you on, Rob. Thanks for the Thanks time. Thanks for having me. There you go. Rob Walgate, follow him on uh, American Policy Roundtable and all his colleagues, aproundtable.org. So we had the privilege yesterday of having President Trump on with us talking about J.D. Vance's endorsement. There were those who wondered, you know, is his endorsement of J.D. Vance something that he was told to do because the president stumbled over Vance's name in Nebraska, called him J.P., then J.D. JD Mandel. Uh, Vance won handily. So the money that was spent on the Republican primary, $66 million, uh, will be that much or more spent on the general. So we'll talk about that and size it up next. You are listening to The Bruce Hooley Show. Bruce Hooley Show on The Answer. Now, we have talked today about the primary results. You cannot separate the primary from the general election, and you cannot separate the general election 
from the dominant news story in our country right now, which is the Supreme Court leak of the draft opinion that suggests the justices will overturn Roe versus Wade when their draft opinion is turned into their final opinion and likely released in November. Because you're a Democrat, what else are you going to run on? Like, I'm coming into the station today, I look over to my right at my United Dairy Farmers, gas is four oh nine a gallon, and that was the lowest price I could find. Less than two weeks ago, I filled up at that exact station for three forty one. Three forty one. Okay? So all the impact of the ballyhooed release from the strategic oil reserves is gone. Gas is now at four oh five a gallon, and diesel is at an all time high of five twenty five a gallon. The I did that stickers with Joe Biden pointing to the price are all over pumps in America. Can't run on gas prices. Can't run on inflation. Can't run on affordable food prices. Can't run on southern border. Can't run on peace through strength. What do you got left? Abortion. That's their only hope. The problem is abortion has always been a galvanizing election issue for conservatives. Yes, for conservatives. But Democrats will embrace it, and they will do what they do, which is lie. They will lie. Nan Whaley, mayor of Dayton, last night playing the intersectionality card. Oh, it's a historic night. I'm the first woman ever to get to run for governor in the state of Ohio. Look, I have three daughters. None of them have ever said to me, you know, I don't think I could ever do this, Dad, because I don't think a woman has ever done it. They just don't think that way. Because they believe in themselves and they've been taught that if you work hard, you treat people the right way, good things will happen to you. Does anybody think that this is like super duper historic for Nan Whaley to get to run for governor? She got to be mayor. Why couldn't she? She's been mayor a long time. Why couldn't she run for governor? Why couldn't she be a senator? Like, there is no glass ceiling for women. So I find this to be reflective of the mindset of Democrats that, oh, This is the first, the first, the first. Katanji Brown-Jackson, Supreme Court. Who was, was it Politico that ran the tweet? Katanji Brown-Jackson is the first African-American justice of the Supreme Court? Uh, No, Uh, no. There's one there right now. Look at a picture. There's Clarence Thomas. And there was one there before him. Look at the 60s. There's Thurgood Marshall. But because she's a black woman, oh, she's the first ever. I just find it all ridiculous because only democrats separate people into groups and you know what you are if you separate people into groups and identify them by their exterior characteristics you are a racist that is what you are and so nan whaley is trumpeting this and she's going to make a pillar of her campaign access to abortion democrats cannot win on issues, cannot win on ideas, cannot reason, cannot use logic, cannot convince you on anything's merits because their policies don't work. I direct your attention to the gas pump. I direct your attention to your store shelves. I direct your attention to the southern border or to Kabul or to Ukraine, anywhere where Democratic policies have seeped in like yeast into bread You see the poison of democratic ideals and the toxic results of those policies. So, of course, Nan Whaley is going to lie. Might as well get started early. 
just won the primary. Here's her quote last night. If we reelect Mike DeWine, abortion will be criminalized in Ohio. No question. Okay, let's be histrionic and let's scare people. Joe Biden, same thing. Elizabeth Warren, same thing. AOC, same thing. Pramila Jayapal, every Democrat. Pelosi, Schumer, all of them, same thing. Here's Biden at the White House this morning. So there's a draft opinion that the Supreme Court may overrule Roe versus Wade. What, outlawing abortion? No, no. Kicking it back to the states. So guess what? The states get to make the decision. You know what that means? That means you get to make the decision. That means... The party that's always afraid that everything is an existential threat to democracy. They don't want that decision put back in the hands of who? You, voters. You vote. People are elected to the Ohio General Assembly. They vote according to your wishes. And then policy results. You get a say. That's democracy. Democrats always saying, oh, it's a fear. It's a, it's a threat to democracy. What they mean is. It's a threat to my power to inflict my opinion on someone else. Here's Joe Biden. He's going to ratchet up the lies even more this morning at the White House. Now that they are turning Roe and Wade back to the states, what else could happen, Joe? Court now. What happens if you have a state change the law saying that 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 children who are LGBTQ can't be in classrooms with other children? Is that is that legit under the? No, it is not legit. You are a moron. No one is even remotely thinking of doing that, nor would any legislator ever propose something so inane. But why would he say that? Number one, because his brain is not functioning correctly. But number two, because this is how Democrats are conditioned to think. Well... I'd argue against it, but I really don't have a good argument why that's not really a baby in a mother's womb. Because after all, they can operate on it. We know it can feel pain. We see it develop. We have 3D ultrasounds. We can tell a lot more about it than we could in 1973 when Roe versus Wade came down. And so increasingly, we are aware that that is a child. So if I can't argue effectively against that, Well, then I'll just scare you. It's like they think the entire country has a bad case of hiccups. And if they scare us all enough, it will fix what ails us. No, what will fix what ails us is a secure southern border, energy independence, and common sense approaches to social issues. Pay attention to the Virginia governor's race. You see that parents would like to have authority or at least a say in what their children are taught in schools. They would not like their children to be taught that they are oppressors or oppressed based upon their skin color. They would not like elementary school children and kindergartners indoctrinated into sexual identity and gender ideology. Just common sense is what we ask. Like you were elected not because you were Joe Biden, but because you were not Bernie Sanders and you were not Donald Trump. You were elected to be moderate, and you decided to be a crazed liberal. And now you are reaping the whirlwind for that with your declining poll numbers. So I don't desire to see you improve your poll numbers. I desire to see you 
diminished in office by the midterm elections and expediently removed from office in the fall of 2024. And I only offer the political advice because I know you will not heed it because as a Democrat, you have to be unhinged. And so you will not pay attention to the obvious. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.